Hi everyone, Tommy here, to let you know that the St. Dimpna's Playbook book is now available from Ave Maria Press. You can order wherever books and ebooks are sold. We'll put a link to the book on Ave's website in the show notes so you can go and check it out and use the code BEWELL, all one word, to get 25% off. Thanks so much! said, seeing with the eyes of Christ, I can give to others much more than their outward necessities. I can give them a look of love, which they crave. Welcome to the 109th episode of St. Dymphna's Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth and one in heaven. Love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because I want all of us to remember we don't have to do the impossible to help someone feel supported, to help them know we care. Let's start small and allow God to do the rest. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. One thing many of us might not think about all too often is the difficulty mental health providers can have in distinguishing between major depression and bipolar disorder, but missing the correct diagnosis can lead to really difficult outcomes. People typically come in for treatment when they're feeling depressed, and if a medical or mental health professional just takes that for what it is without asking some additional questions to assess for the potential of a bipolar disorder, the person may receive medications for depression that could lead to disastrous results, and it happens all the time. We're going to get some information from Al Jazeera on a blood test that has the potential to make this a thing of the past. A team from the U.S.'s Indiana University School of Medicine launched the blood test in April, claiming it to be psychiatry's first ever biological answer to diagnosing a mood disorder. Our study shows that it is possible to have a blood test for depression and bipolar disorder that have clinical utility, can distinguish between the two, and match people to the right medication, said the lead researcher. This avoids years of trial and error, hospitalizations, and side effects. As these are very common disorders, we think we can do a lot of good with this and other tests that we have developed. The study delved into the biological basis of mood disorders, developing a tool to distinguish which type of mood disorder a person has, depression or bipolar disorder. To develop the test, the team drew on its 15 years of previous research into how psychiatry relates to blood gene expression biomarkers, measurable indicators of a biological state in the form of RNA, DNA, proteins, or other molecules. Every system in the body, the brain, the nervous system, the immune system, has a common developmental route. For example, when you're stressed or depressed, there are psychoneurological mechanisms, hormones, and other things that are related that affect your blood and your immune system. So back to me, these results, while still very early and preliminary, are so exciting because they could save so many people from being driven into a manic episode by certain antidepressant medications prescribed because of a misdiagnosis. We've always dreamed in mental health of a way of matching the right medication up with the right people to avoid the trials it often takes to find the most effective one. And this looks like one step forward toward that dream. It's really, really exciting. 
So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request. And today, I'm going to introduce you to Blessed Rafal Chalinsky. I'm sure I mispronounce his name, but he doesn't mind. He's in heaven. Born in 1694 in Poland, his family nicknamed him the Little Monk due to his pious nature. He graduated from a Jesuit college and entered the armed forces, making officer within three years of starting. In 1715, however, against the advice of everyone around him, he joined the Order of the Friars Minor in Krakow and was ordained a priest two years later. He spent the remainder of his life distributing food and clothing to the poor and the sick. And when he wasn't doing that, he played the harp and the lute as well as the mandolin for liturgical hymns he can be close to all of us uh, in today's world because for 20 months he was uh, helping those who were experiencing an epidemic in warsaw he was ministering to them and he's ready to pray for us now he was also known for his simple and candid sermons and for being an apt confessor and as franciscan media tells us people of all levels of society were drawn to the self-sacrificing way he lived out his religious profession and priestly ministry we like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer oh god you endowed blessed raphael Chilinski with the grace of imitating humble and poor Christ and of bringing help to the needy and sick in the spirit of evangelical love. Grant that by his example we may perform the works of Christian mercy and deserve to be accepted to the host of your blessed in your kingdom through our Lord Jesus Christ your Son who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit one God forever and ever. Amen. And now you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter therapy. Gina gets us started. Can you please address those who say mental illness is demonic possession and speak to those who suffer from mental illness who already worry that they might be possessed or might have not had a strong enough faith and that's why we struggle? Let's start by praying for everyone living with mental illness who has ever been told that they might be possessed for peace and consolation and healing in their lives and for the stigma toward and ignorance about mental illness to be destroyed in our church and our world. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Stigma toward mental illness often presents itself in two ways. Either you need to just get over it, there's nothing really wrong with you, or the flip side of people wanting to stay away from those with mental health symptoms, not wanting them to be a part of the community. In some Christian circles, however, a third type of stigma can present itself, one that tries to explain mental illness as demonic possession, and it's a very dangerous form of stigma that must be addressed and torn down. First, I have to say yes, demonic possession is real, it can happen, it does happen, and the church has a way of addressing it when needed. And it's important for us to remember that it's fairly rare. Most of us won't become possessed. Most of us won't meet someone who's possessed, etc. Experiencing symptoms related to mental illness, however, is much less rare. And they are real illnesses that can require treatment and professional help to feel better. And the fact that someone would suggest otherwise kind of makes my blood boil. 
we're going to get some thoughts here from the University of Rochester to get help. Mental illnesses are as real as diseases such as heart disease or cancer. Mental health problems may be passed down through family or they can occur because of abnormal brain chemistry, substance abuse, or in response to traumatic events or an abusive environment. In other words, a mental illness isn't the fault of a person who's suffering. People who have emotional disorders don't have to suffer alone. They can get effective help. It's possible to heal the mind with therapy and support services. Don't be afraid to ask for help. It's a sign of strength, not weakness. Back to me. So again, while demonic possession can happen, it is really, really hurtful to suggest that someone experiencing depression, anxiety, intrusive thoughts, bipolar disorders, psychotic disorders, etc., are actually suffering possession. Instead, let's walk alongside our sisters and brothers, be there to listen, not to make assumptions. There's already so much pain, so much guilt, and so much negative thinking that happens for so many of us. And we need the support of those around us, not more negativity and more to your question like it said up above or like i said before um, it is not a result of personal weakness or failure or weakness in the faith we have to cast off that stigma sometimes it's self-stigma that we internalize that tries to tell us that it's because we're weak in some way but it's truly not, and there's truly help for all of us. And lastly, if you do personally feel like what you're going through might be possession, it would be worth it to reach out to a priest or religious sister you trust to explore that situation with them. That could be the first step, and hopefully they'll be able to recommend you to a mental health professional if they find that that would be more helpful. Anonymous is up next. My older brother came out as gay a couple of years ago. He suffers from a lot of anxiety issues and he feels unloved and unsupported by the church. He told me he thinks the Catholic church hates me. He doesn't really have any interest in discussing it further. I focused on building our relationship and letting him know I love him unconditionally. I have a five-year-old son, and he recently asked me if boys can marry boys. I opted for a simple, God's plan is for boys to marry girls, and he loves all families, which is to say, I didn't really answer him. I want my brother to absolutely feel he is loved and known by me and my family as well as by Christ, but I also want to teach my son about church teaching. He's too young to explain it in detail, obviously, so I guess my question is, do you have advice on what words to use with my son to affirm God's plan for marriage? So let's start by joining in prayer together for Anonymous, Anonymous's brother and son, and everyone trying to navigate how to love unconditionally while also living a life guided by church teaching that God may show us the way. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. First off, I want to say how beautiful it is that you're truly considering how to approach this situation in a manner that both helps instruct your son and make sure your older brother knows that he is loved and helping to teach your son that we can love people unconditionally no matter what. It's really beautiful, and it's a great place to start with having this conversation with a five-year-old. I think a good approach is to slowly start to teach our kids that not everyone believes or thinks the same way that we do, and that's okay. God has a plan for every single person, and for our immediate family, we'll follow our plan the best we can, and for those outside of our immediate family, they're going to follow their plan the best that they can too. We'll look at an article from Common Sense Media for some helpful thoughts on having these types of conversations with young children. Young children don't 
have enough life experience to understand some of the elements involved in complex, difficult topics. They also don't yet have a firm grasp on abstract concepts and cause and effect because they and their primary relationships, mom, dad, siblings, grandparents, even the family dog, are the center of their world. They focus on how things affect them. Here's some tips. Find out what they know. Your kids might not understand the issue very well, so ask them what they think. Create a safe space for discussion. Say these topics are hard to discuss even for adults. Let's just talk. Encourage critical thinking. Ask open-ended questions to get kids to think more deeply about serious topics. Like, do you think families from other backgrounds would view things the same way as us? Next, break down issues into their simplest terms. Use vocabulary, ideas, and relationships that they're familiar with. And last, try to look for positives in the topic that you're discussing. I hope that helps. A different anonymous wraps us up. A friend of mine struggles with porn, and I'm in a group me to help keep him and others accountable. He mentioned that saying he fell over and over and over again just makes him feel worse. I understand his shame and still want for him to kick this habit. How can I best help him in this situation? Let's start by praying for Anonymous, for Anonymous's friend and everyone dealing with this type of addiction, for freedom and for the love of God to wash over them. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. First off, I want to say how awesome it is that you're trying to help your friend. It's truly beautiful to see people walking together through our difficulties. What a great witness. The shame that we feel when we engage in the same sins over and over again is real and it hurts. And it can keep us from moving forward because it creates this seemingly endless cycle of negativity, depression, and wanting to do anything to get relief. We're going to get some thoughts from the ranch at Dove Tree on how to move forward. It helps to recognize this simple fact. Everyone has times in their lives where they simply hate what they did. You lose your self-respect and wish you could go back and make a better decision. This natural emotion is a direct response to a behavior. It's a type of autonomic nervous system response, something you simply cannot overcome. Uh, or cannot simply overcome, that's a little bit better. It's also one of the most painful emotions to have. Sometimes no amount of a therapist telling you it's okay helps. If you believe you are a bad person or unlovable, think again. A pattern of focusing on such thoughts can be detrimental to your overall well-being and your recovery. We all need to learn to spot moments of negative thinking that lead to poor behavior decisions. These thoughts are a good example of that. Are you too focused on guilt and shame? Do you feel you don't deserve to be happy? Do you feel your thoughts, needs, and ideas are not important or as valuable as others? Do you feel like you're a fake person or one that isn't worthy of the time others give you? These are the thought patterns you need to terminate in order to move beyond this feeling. Many people feel they must be perfect to overcome shame. Others feel they don't deserve to live a good life because of what they've done. If you're experiencing those thought patterns, it's time to seek out support. No matter what has happened, you still have the power and ability to change the future. Yet this type of self-punishment limits your ability to make better decisions. Here's what's most empowering. 
you can overcome the guilt, shame, and hatred you feel for yourself. And when you do, you control your future. Consider these tips. Recognize negative thought patterns when they occur. When you start feeling those symptoms of shame, take a moment to recognize what's happening. You may feel worthless in that moment, but realize that that thought doesn't help you. Instead, consider a different approach like, I can't believe I did that. It's okay. I'm going to do better next time. Though not easy, learning to transform negative thought patterns like this can empower you. Next, know when to reach out for help. Focusing more than a few minutes on feelings of shame can quickly spiral out of control, and as soon as you start to dwell on such thought patterns, reach out to a friend or family member. They don't need to try to prove to you that you have nothing to be shameful about, but rather should listen to the way you feel. Just talking it out can help. Last, learn to forgive yourself. You need to recognize what happened and then move forward. Learning to forgive yourself can help release some of the guilt you feel. So back to me, I realize that this advice was focused on the person who's experiencing the shame and guilt of relapsing into addictive behaviors, but I hope that it sheds light on how you can be a positive help and support to your friend. We'll be praying for you both. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions or situations if you'd like me to address them in a future episode. I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash to see all the great things they've got going on over there and support the cause. And until next time, go easy on yourselves. Take care of yourselves. And if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry. I'll be praying for you. And so will St. Dymphna. <laughs>